Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Hey, to play fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app and try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe so that we get notified whenever we have new content available. You can always check us out live on any web browsing device when you go to bellyup.tv as well. If you missed an episode, that's okay. Download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices. You can catch us on demand or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. It really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we got the Sunday Fun Day recap for week 
10 coming up in today's show. And that means all the afternoon games from Sunday. And we recap, of course, the Thursday game, too, because we don't get to that on Fridays. So let's just dive right into it because we got a ton of content to get to. So let's kick this thing off with our quarterback thumpers of the week. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! Our number three thumper of the week was Tua Tagalovoa, 285 yards, three touchdowns, and he didn't even do it necessarily with his top-notch wide receivers. Just spreading the ball around, working within the confines of the Mike McDaniel offense, laying it up, playing within himself, not trying to do too much, and it has been outstanding so far this season. Tua Tagalovoa right now, a top-five fantasy football quarterback, and he continues to come through for you this week quarterback bummers i actually only have one quarterback bummer this week and that was russell wilson who even when you look at russell wilson what he's been in the past really was a terrible 286 yards a touchdown interception he didn't run really so fantasy wise a very limited day and i don't know how many people are even starting russell wilson but by name some people are still so that's why he does wind up in my bummer list. But it was really funny. All the quarterbacks who didn't give you great fantasy performances, well, they were guys that weren't getting started anyway. All the quarterbacks you were counting on, eh, they actually came through with at least half solid games. So for the first week in a long time, the quarterback play was actually from top to bottom pretty decent. But Russell Wilson still, like, he just doesn't, he just doesn't look good throwing the football, period. Like, he just looks like he doesn't have an arm left. It looks like Peyton Manning at the end of his career. It looks like Ben Roethlisberger last year. Him trying to throw the ball deep, it takes an hour to get there. There's a lot of things about Russell Wilson that have me alarmed right now, and I think one of them in particular is that this thing has no chance of getting turned around this season. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! Patrick Mahomes is the Spartan of quarterbacks. It's ridiculous. He was losing receivers left and right. Didn't have Michael Hartman coming into this game, and it did not matter. He still threw for 331 yards and four touchdowns and tacked on 39 yards on the ground. Something he's been doing the last three weeks, by the way, is actually utilizing his legs for a nice chunk of yardage. He keeps doing that with what we know he can do through the air. Oh, man, oh, man. Patrick Holmes is just so good, and he comes to my number two thumper of the week. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! My number one thumper of the week, of course, Justin Fields coming through with what we expected to be a really good game against Detroit. 167 yards through the air. Still not even getting close to the 200-yard mark, even against Detroit, but... Does get two passing touchdowns. He had the pick. However, this is why Justin Fields has become a cheat code over the past month. 147 yards rushing on the ground. Two rushing touchdowns to boot. He's just he's locked he's locked in as a playmaker right now, and that's what he's going to do. And right now, Justin Fields has to be locked in to your fantasy football lineups. Let's move on to the running backs, though. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Well, the reports were true. Aaron Jones was not hindered by an ankle injury at all. <coughs> Excuse me. That, I mean, that's how good Aaron Jones was. He's making me choke over here. 
138 yards on the ground, one touchdown, didn't do anything in the passing game. Now, this is part that kind of bothers me a little bit. Like, you have no weapons to go to, and Aaron Jones is just not getting targeted the way I thought he would this season. Only two targets for two yards. But let's not focus on the negative when the guy goes for 138 and a touchdown against the Dallas Cowboy defense. I cautiously say this before. Maybe we'll get into more of it in the insight. You know what? I'm going to save it. I'm going to save my insights for the Green Bay Packers when we get to the next segment on the insights of the game. So I'll save it for that. But for right now, Aaron Jones, he shows you why. Even when he has those dud games, you have to play him in your lineups every single week, no matter what. Running back bummers. David Montgomery against Detroit. Adams, a top 20 running back. He was he did lead the way. He's been the starting guy. 37 yards, one target, one catch for seven yards. Now, a lot of this is just because Justin Fields was so dominant on the ground, it took away from both the running backs in Chicago. And that's sometimes you're playing with fire, but you were really expecting, I was really expecting, a much better performance out of Dave Montgomery against a terrible Detroit Lions team. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! How about Dalvin Cook? Against the Buffalo Bills in a tough matchup, only on 14 carries, by the way, 119 yards and a touchdown, five targets, three receptions, 27 yards. Dalvin Cook is just, he's back to looking like Dalvin Cook. It took a little while. We weren't so sure what was happening. It almost seemed like maybe Madison was going to get worked in on a platoon situation at some point earlier this season. He's just back to being Dalvin Cook right now. And Minnesota in general was very impressive. We're going to have to get into that a little bit later. Running back bummers. Yeah, this is the biggest bummer of the week for me. This is going to be, I can already tell you, spoiler alert when we get into tomorrow's show, the primetime recap, the waiver savers and the heroes and zeros. Uh, Cordell Patterson is going to be probably my number one running back zero. My wrong call of the week. Yeah, five carries, 18 yards, a catch, two yards. You go against Carolina, who had just given up over 200 yards rushing against the Cleveland Browns. Patterson on Sunday had 13 carries. He led the backfield. That was his first week back, and you thought to yourself, okay, well, if you're that confident in his first game back to utilize him as such, maybe it stands to reason Patterson's back to leading this backfield on a team that we know is going to be run heavy. And whether it was due to the weather or the game script, whatever the case may be, after playing most of the first half ahead, he did not really play much after the first drive in the second half. And Cordo Patterson hugely disappointed on Thursday night football to be one of our running back bummers of the week. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Jonathan Taylor. The magic of Jeff Saturday apparently worked. Now, we'll get into later. Is it, you know, Jeff Saturday? Is it the Colts getting identity? Is it is it the Raiders just terrible? Eh. Could be a mixture of things, but the fact is this. Jonathan Taylor had not been good since week one of this season and finally drops in 147 yards and a touchdown, two targets, two receptions, 16 yards, gets going here, and if nothing else, it at least gives you hope if you're a Jonathan Taylor owner moving forward. But let's dive into our wide receivers. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Our number three thumper at the wide receiver position. And I warned people, I said, this guy has some sneaky upside because he can hit the big play. I don't know how consistent he's going to be throughout 
and he outperformed even my expectations. Eight targets, four catches, 107 yards, and three touchdowns for none other than Christian Watson, the guy who has not been able to stay healthy, the guy who's had bad drops so far this season. But it was setting up that way. We knew Sammy Watkins, he's a dead fish in water. Randall Cobb's still out doing with the high ankle sprain. Romeo Dobbs going to be out now with the high ankle sprain for the next four to six weeks. So the door became open for a healthy Christian Watson to be the starter across from Alan Lazard. We know he's explosive, but he's not really fine-tuned. He's been hit or miss. Well, in this game, he didn't miss. And he gets the hat trick of touchdowns. He was absolutely incredible. And now Christian Watson is going to be the talk of the town for the next week. Wide receiver bummers. Oh, Mari Cooper. So going against the Dolphins, the team's been bleeding points, especially the wide receivers. And he only gets three targets, three catches, and 32 yards. That's it. There's no David Njoku in the mix. We thought for sure Mari Cooper would have a big game. I had him ranked as my wide receiver 13. He's going to probably wind up being another zero for me. That that was just not the performance you were looking for out of Amari Cooper with everything setting up the way that it was. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Justin Jefferson. Look, the whole Minnesota offense like overachieved what we were expecting against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, by the way. 16 targets, 10 receptions, 193 yards and a touchdown. He had his best game of the year against the Buffalo Bills. It just goes to show you why he's so special. That catch he made where he had put up one hand and ripped it out of defenders, two hands to come down with an incredible catch that kept the game alive. He's just a very special player. And man, oh man, did he come through with a huge game in a tough spot today. Wide receiver bummers. Part of this was due to injury, but Juju Smith-Schuster, four targets, two catches, 33 yards. It just leaves you hanging. We're starting to get confidence in him. He had three great games in a row. It's a really nice match against Jacksonville, and he just got a really bad concussion. Like I said, not really his fault, but when you have certain expectations on players in certain situations, it can really just leave you hanging, even if it's not necessarily their fault here. And Juju Smith-Schuster, oh, that performance just, it might have hurt you quite a bit in your lineups this week. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Talk about another wide receiver getting double-digit targets here. CeeDee Lamb with his best exceptions, 150 yards and two touchdowns against the Green Bay Packers. We had some concerns about maybe Dallas not opening up the offensive enough, but... Dak went all in on CD land this week and uh, well, it didn't quite pay off as far as the box score goes, but you like this. This is the type of performances you're expecting to see lamb waiting for him to take that next step up. They be that breakout next star wide receiver one started to feel like it was never really going to happen on an elite level, but this game, maybe this thing gets, gets things going in the right direction for CD lamb moving forward. Wide receiver bummers. Similar to the Juju Smith-Schuster situation, Cooper Cup, not necessarily his fault, but he wasn't having a good game before he had the ankle injury, and we're going to have to wait to see. Again, I record this show on Sunday night to be played on Monday night, so you, we, we already know this. Make sure you're following us at social media on at BellyUpMDFFShow. 
because we'll make sure you're up to date when whenever we get new news about the Cooper Cup situation. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an ugly one to watch for sure. It sounds like no matter what happens, he's definitely missing at least a few weeks, and we'll get into that later. But five targets, three catches for minus one yards. He needed Matthew Stafford out there with John Walford. Even Cooper Cup couldn't get anything going. What a brutal, brutal day for him. Let's move to the tight ends. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! Dalton Schultz, eight targets, six receptions, 54 yards, one receiving touchdown. Looks like that bye week really did Dalton Schultz a lot of good. Finally, was probably able to get some rest, which he much needed for that LCL that he is dealing with in his knee. And, he, you know, Dalton Schultz has never been an explosive guy. He's never been a yards after catch guy. That's never been the question here. But he always has been the safety blanket to a Dak Prescott. And the fact that CeeDee Lamb was able to have the game he did while Dalton Schultz still got his eight targets and his touchdown and looked pretty good physically, he now becomes a must-top 12 start the rest of the season. We might be back on track to what we thought about Dalton Schultz in the pre-draft process, which I had him at tight end six coming into the year. So Dalton Schultz back on the map in a big way, making you feel pretty good. Tight end bummers. Yeah, I was hopeful that Kate Otten, after he had the game-winning touchdown last week, would still be more dominantly involved even with Cameron Bray back. And he was the starter. He did play more snaps, but it was kind of a bit of a rotation thing going on. And then we only saw three targets for three catches and 35 yards for a guy that we were kind of hoping maybe he could crack his way into the top 12. Well, yeah, not happening this time. And that's why he has to wind up as one of our bummers of the week. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! Yeah, Travis Kelsey makes this list every single week that he played. I, I, like, unless it's the bye week, I can't even think of a week where Travis Kelsey was not at least inside my top three thumpers. Seven targets, six receptions, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Nobody's more consistent then Travis Kelsey at, at almost any position at this point now, no one's more consistent than Travis Kelsey. Uh, absolutely incredible, and this is why he's just he's just always in your lineup and always the number one guy. Tight end bummers. Cal Pitch, just when you thought you could trust him, he goes back to what made us all hate him the first seven weeks or eight weeks of the season, however long. Eight targets, two receptions, 28 yards. I guess the silver lining is that he still had eight targets. Oh, this was tough. This was a tough pill to swallow just when you're starting to feel a little bit more confident in the guy. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! You want to talk about a tight end on a hot streak? Cole Komet, seven targets, four receptions, 74 yards, two touchdowns. He did get a little bit banged up at the end of the game. His words after the post was that he's going to be fine heading into next week, that it wasn't that bad. He just, you know, got a little banged up, had a little pain at the moment. We'll see if that winds up being true or not. We'll have to watch it because guess what? Cole Komet likely to be inside my top 12, especially in plus matchups moving forward because now that Fields is being more of a playmaker and showing us more competency in passing, Cole Komet has emerged and one of his favorite targets to go to. Tight end bummers. Yeah, this guy isn't just a bummer. He's probably going to be my number one zero at the position. Greg Dolchich, four targets, one catch, 11 yards. Oh, absolutely, positively, just, blech, just brutal. They have to go through that. 
But yeah, he had been so consistent leading into this point. I don't think we can move off of Greg Dolch being a top 12 tight end more times than not. It's just a game in which it didn't fall his way against Tennessee, whose defense, mind you, has been a lot better the last month of the season than what we saw the first six weeks of the year. So you can't really go by the numbers. They're a little bit out of whack when you're looking at matchups against the Tennessee Titans right now. And that proved it there. But that does it for our thumpers and bummers of the week. So here's what we're going to do. we we'll take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got our extra credit insights of the games. So make sure you guys stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their T-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe that we get notified whenever we have new content available for you. You can also check us out live on BillyUp.tv or, down, or find us on demand when you download the Foxy Network app or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over the Sunday Fun Day recap. We just did the first segment, which was our thumpers and bummers of the week. And now it's time for our notes of the game. I know, I know, I know. What do we know now? Coming out of week 10 and heading into week 11 for the Thursday night and the Sunday night game. And starting off with the Thursday night game. We got the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. There's not much to really talk about in this game. Panthers winning the game 25 to 15. A lot of rain, a lot of weather coming up from the hurricane made this game really, really sloppy. Not that we were expecting it to be a, a bar, a, a, you know, a barn burner to begin with. Although the first game was like that, just due to the weather and everything else. We saw on the Atlanta side of the ball, and the running back rotation was just absolutely maddening. 
just maddening him. Tyler Algier led the way with eight carries. Avery Williams got four carries in this game. Caleb Huntley got five carries in this game. Cordell Patterson got five carries in the game. Like I talked about him early in the show, really didn't play much in the second half. I don't know if it was because of the short week or it was because Carolina was up by a couple scores heading into the second half, or if it was the rain, or whatever the case may be. I do believe that more times than not, it'll be Cordell Patterson as the lead back for this team. Now, that might only mean 12 to 15 carries, but with a guy with his explosiveness on a run-heavy team, that's enough. That's enough to make him an RB2 most weeks, especially in plus matchups like this was on paper against Carolina. It just it might have been a flurry of things, but it also shows you're running that risk a little bit with Patterson that Arthur Smith could just say the hell with it and turn everything into a four-man rotation unbeknownst to the rest of us, and now we find ourselves in this situation. So it was maddening, but I think it had more to do with the circumstances around this game than to expect this kind of four-man rotation moving forward. At least that's what I feel like it is for now. Uh Drake London got back on the board. That is something worth noting. It's only 38 yards on five receptions, but he did get the touchdown. Mariota was looking for him and looking for Kyle Pitts down the field a lot more in this game than he had in weeks past. If that can remain true, then maybe Drake London can work his way back into flex territory again in a couple of weeks. But it's still hard to trust when Mariota throws the ball 30 times as a season high and London gets six targets of those 30 of pass attempts, and he gets five catches and only averages 6.6 yards per completion or per reception in his case. Yeah, that that's the problem right there. It's still so fluky. It could easily be Kyle Pitts any other given week. So London probably can remain outside my top 36 unless we see this more consistently, but something to keep your eyes on and why you shouldn't drop a guy like a Drake London. On the Carolina side, well, not the foreman. Flat out dominated. Chuba Hubbard was back. We got a lot of questions. We know that Hubbard was leading the way the first time these guys were out. Performance had been so good. It was hard to imagine that. And we got what we pretty much expected, which was, you know, Hubbard, he he played on third and longs. Blackshear got a little bit involved, too, which was kind of odd. It seemed like maybe they just weren't ready to, like, throw Hubbard out there on a short week. Had this been a Sunday game, we probably would have seen Hubbard a little bit more in the mix. But also, Dante Foreman was just dominant. I mean, 31 carries, 130 yards. He picks up the touchdown. And I think this is also game script. Look, Dante Foreman, he probably is going to be the guy when Carolina is leading the way. And they can just sit there and run the football and not have to ask P.J. Walker to throw more than 16 times in a game. That would be Carolina's wet dream, plain and simple. I think that's what they would love to be able to do. But this is Carolina. They're not going to be able to do this in most games. So I'm, while I love it for Foreman, Foreman is definitely a sell high for me coming out of this week because I do believe Chuba Hubbard will be playing more moving forward. DJ Moore gets a little banged up in this game and disappoints as a result. Had to miss a little bit of time. Only got six targets. Still led the way for the team before catches 29 yards. But what can you expect out of a passing game with a quarterback only throws the ball 16 times. I have a lot of concerns. I know we thought maybe DJ Moore could be back to being fantasy viable. Now we're not so sure. I look at this as a situation where if Carolina plays anybody who's a competent team, I talked about this last week, I don't know how much DJ Moore gets to do. I don't know what PJ Walker can do. This team is, it's a fraud. It's a fraud. The good production we've been able to get out of Foreman and for a couple of games out of DJ Moore 
it's fluky because when they play teams that are actually good, then the Panthers can get steamrolled at any given moment. And that's the one thing that does worry me a little bit when we're looking at value on this team. Uh, let's move on to the, the Germany game, the Munich Germany game, the first game over there in Germany, and they were having a great time. I'll tell you what, the atmosphere, just watching it on television, see much more exciting than anything we've gotten over in London. Not that the London games aren't good, not that the, everybody who's in London, they don't show out and have a good time and you know, definitely give it an electric feeling. But when you have the entire Munich stadium singing John Denver, you know, West Virginia, that that's something that's something else entirely. And that's what we were able to get. So we talked about this game, Seattle again, Denver. Uh, I'm sorry, Seattle, Tampa Bay on the Seattle side. You know, they, they lose this game 16 to 21 Tampa Bay gave it able to pull off a win here. Walker couldn't get going only 17 yards on the ground on 10 carries. Just abysmal. We know this wasn't a great matchup. We were not expecting that. However, there was a bit of a positive development with them going into the bye next week. Well, Kenneth Walker did get going in the passing game. Eight targets in this game. He was actually second on the team in targets. Six catches, 55 yards. It's not just that, yes, obviously they had to come back from behind. They were down early. So obviously they're going to throw the ball more. Geno Smith is more prone to check down. So you figure in a situation like this, yeah, Kenneth Walker is going to get a few extra targets than he normally would. But the, the real trick here is that it wasn't just because of the context of the game when Walker was out there. It was the situations in which Walker was in. Travis Homer in the first half was playing third and locks. But then when they went to two-minute drill, suddenly, and then when they went to comeback mode in the second half, Walker dominated every situation. They did not go to him. They didn't. They, they, I mean, to Homer, that is. They did, not, they did not go to Homer to play in those situations, to have him be the check down, pass catching back. They wanted Walker and his special playmaking ability out there. So now we're opening up the whole new world where maybe Kenneth Walker doesn't come out on third and long so often. Maybe he doesn't come out on two-minute drills moving forward because he's showing you he can catch the ball. He can be a weapon to get him out in space when you need to and attack with him that way. And they almost came back as a result of this too. That's something to watch. So all of a sudden, Walker could go from you know being a stud, obviously, on the ground to you're an all-around guy getting used in every situation to make you just that much more valuable. Uh, the passing game in, vol- in, in whole just didn't have a ton of volume, right? For a team that had to come back that was down 14 nothing after the first half and, you know, was striving, trying, trying to chip away in the second half, Geno still only had 33 pass attempts. That's only three more than his average so far this season. It's just clear that 30 pass attempts, that no matter what the game script apparently is, that's just what they want to do with Geno. So if he's not hitting the big play, his fantasy upside is going to be a little bit limited. He wasn't bad in this game, 275 yards, two touchdowns. It was fine. But if he's not hitting those big plays, he's not getting three or more touchdowns. The 300 yards doesn't seem to really be something that's actually on the table for Junior Smith, especially not on a consistent basis anyway, moving forward. So he's got to make up for it in other ways because we're talking about Geno's top 12 quarterback. That's where we're at now. So now we want top 12 expectations. Wasn't terrible today, but wasn't great either. And that's just what I'm seeing here. A DK Metcalf. You know, he was good. Tyler Lockett scored to kind of save the day. 
They were solid, not great. You're obviously playing them every single week anyway. And it's like I said, it just goes back to the volume. Just it's a little bit limited. It's a little bit limited. They're not going to be the guys who finish inside the top 10 very often unless unless they hit a big one. But let's move over to Tampa Bay. A lot of interesting storylines to talk about for Tampa Bay. So the first one is for the team as a whole. Was this the turning point? Because this is the best we've seen the Buccaneers look all season. And now they get to go in a bye coming off of a high on this win. Are they able to get some things corrected? Moving forward now. And one of those things was that Rashad White technically started this game. He did. He came in. He played the entire first drive. And then they pretty much rotated drive by drive after that with Rashad White and Leonard Fournette. So, meaning to me, if all things are equal, it seems like this backfield officially just became a two-man committee. That's number one. The second thing you follow that up with is, well, Leonard Fournette wound up picking up a hip injury. So now and it's a hip pointer. So now we're going to have to see. I mean, hip pointers, we'll get Brian Scott on on Wednesday. I'm going to ask him about this. Hip pointers have a lot of various... You know, I'm not a doctor, but I do know from experience they have a lot of various degrees as far as severity goes. So we don't know how much time Leonard Fournette might be looking at. Yes, they got the bye week next week, so certainly that helps. There's a chance here we could be talking about Leonard Fournette missing a couple of weeks. It just it all just depends. But regardless, Rashad White, welcome to Flex territory, even if Leonard Fournette is healthy and out there. And if he's not, well, he put on a hell of a show, 22 carries, 105 yards. If Leonard Fournette misses any time, Rashad White instantly becomes at least a high-end RB2, if not top 12 running back in his own right, because we know he'll catch the ball too. And then the other thing is Chris Godwin finally finds the end zone. Six catches, 71 yards on eight targets, gets the touchdown. And physically, this is the best that Chris Godwin has looked. And he had talked about it coming into the week. He, he felt like this was the week where he felt like his body was getting confidence in it. It was turning the corner. He's getting back to being more of himself. It showed out there. The other thing that shows that Mike Evans is not 100%. I know he's dealing with kind of like a rib and an ankle thing. And it's just clear that he's not not as explosive as he normally is. When he gets tackled, he seems to be taking that extra second to have to get back up again. He's just not 100%. Five catches, 54 yards. But that if this offense is going to turn things around, Evans and Cowan, their value is going to go up. We got to watch the backfield situation. And Tom Brady himself, he didn't light up the world today. Of course, 258 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But this is promising. This is promising moving forward. And that's what we've been dying to see, something of promise moving forward. All right, so what's next? We got the Minnesota Vikings and the Buffalo Bills in a fantastic game. It was actually snowing a little bit to kick off this game in the first quarter. Nothing of significance, but it was interesting. First snow game of the year. The Vikings win this game in overtime, 33-30. to And that's what was the shocking, most shocking thing of it all. Josh Allen plays in this game. The Buffalo Bills defense, one of the toughest defenses. The Vikings offense had been good, but not firing on all cylinders at any point this season. I wasn't sure what we were going to see in this game. But their offense came to play. Kirk Cousins, 357 yards, touchdown, two interceptions on 50 pass attempts. That was the crazy thing. Look, it was clear the Vikings had come into the game with the mindset that they were going to throw. It w- this wasn't just them throwing a ton because they come back from behind the second half. This this was the game plan to throw the ball because they didn't know how much success they, I think they would have running because most teams have it. But Dalvin Cook did. 
And it, was, it just reminded me of the Aaron Jones situation. Kind of similar schemes, too. Zone-blocking scheme. If you show that you're not afraid to run right at Buffalo, there's some success to be had. Aaron Jones had a lot of success against Buffalo. And now Dalvin Cook, on just 14 carries, talked about it earlier, goes over 100 yards. Of course, yes, one, you know, that 181-yard touchdown play had a lot to do with it, obviously. But still, you love to see it. You love to see Justin Jefferson having his big game. All these get look, the offense flat out, it just surprised in a really tough matchup. And the Vikings did what the Vikings have done all year, which is they find a way to win close games. Doesn't matter if it's worse competition, better competition. They find a way to win these close games. On the flip side, yes, the good news is that Josh Allen was able to play through the injury, have even though he did not practice much. And from a fantasy standpoint, it just shows you why he's so good. 84 yards on the ground, still 333 yards on the air. It gets a touchdown. He had two picks. doesn't matter. Josh Allen, even with a bum elbow, who's not 100% himself, still fantastic every single week. Devin Singletary, if you played him, thinking, oh, Case Keenum... Maybe they'll lean on the run a little bit more. And then Josh Allen wanted to play. And you're like, well, you're already committed at this point. Well, he picks up two touchdowns. That's great. That's fluky. We can't take anything out of this backfield as far as that goes moving forward. Here's what I do find interesting, though. And maybe he's just not up to snuff yet with the with the playbook. That could be the case. But James Cook got an odd amount of work in this game. They traded for Naeem Hines. And yet, meh. Naeem Hines wasn't really involved. He had one catch on one target and nine yards, not even a single carry. Duke Johnson had two carries in this game, but not Naeem Hines. I don't know what they traded for Naeem Hines for if they're just going to go back to James Cook, being the guy to back up Devin Singletary. It doesn't make any sense to me. So that's something to watch. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. But everything else is fantastic. Gabe Davis he had his season high of targets, nine targets, six catches, 93 yards, a touchdown. We like Gabe Davis if Josh Allen was going to play, especially in a great match against Minnesota. And, you know, Diggs is Diggs. But Davis showing you, look, if it's a plus matchup and Josh Allen's playing, it's worth playing Gabe Davis. Plain and simple. It's worth playing Gabe. Now, I guess tougher matchups right now, the way this has worked so far this season, with the way Stephon Diggs has been such a safety blanket, that you have to hit that big play in order for him to do anything, that's where Gabe Davis becomes more of a wide receiver three. So that's how we're going to approach that moving forward. Oh, what about the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears? We'll start on the Detroit side of the ball. They wound up winning this game on the road. They snapped, I, think, I believe it was either a 12 or a 13-game losing streak on the road, finally, against Chicago. 31-30, to 30, scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter. On an absolute comeback mode. Ooh, 
Good job by them. But there are some hit or misses we're talking about for fantasy purposes. So, you know, Jared Goff wasn't great. He only had 26 pass attempts, actually, in this game. But Amon Ross St. Brown had 11 targets on those 26 pass attempts. He had 10 catches, 119 yards. He got back going again. I told you guys to buy low on him while you still could. Because I had a feeling you weren't going to be able to after this week. So hopefully you did that. Because after this now, no one's going to trade back Amon Ross St. Brown. Because this is going to look like he's starting to move back to the right direction. He very well may be. This game was on the road. You weren't sure what to expect. And you still got the production out of him. And maybe this is what gives the you know the monkey off the back and he gets rolling here from here on out. Because he just played within himself. It wasn't like he had a huge game. It wasn't like he had a big play to lay up his box score. He just does what he does. Gets the ball a ton and turns it into something. And that was it. It wasn't really too much more after that. Now, the other thing we got to talk about, of course, is DeAndre Swift. So if you played him, yeah, he wound up getting a touchdown. So that might have saved your day if you were playing him as a flex. But it was just more of the same. Six carries, six yards. And then he only had one catch for six yards on three targets. The, just to top it all off. Seven touches for DeAndre Swift. How can you play him? I, talk, I talked about this going into the week. I put out all these videos. I said, look, Jamal Williams over DeAndre Swift, who, by the way, had 59 yards on the ground and a touchdown in his own right. You can't play DeAndre Swift. You can't play a guy who's getting less than 10 touches a game. And I told you guys before, Dan Campbell came out early in the week and was like, oh, well, you know, he's going to get more work. He's going to get more work than he did last week. And I said, don't listen to him because Dan Campbell lies a lot to the media. Almost every time he has said something about a player that would be fantasy relevant in any kind of capacity, I, I'm telling you right now, believe the opposite. DeAndre Swift's going to get more? No, 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 no. That means DeAndre Swift's going to get less. That's what that means. He's not going to get more. He's going to get less. Anytime Dan Campbell opens his mouth, just assume the opposite from now on out. You can't trade DeAndre Swift. You know the talent's there, so you always want to play him. But if he doesn't get that touchdown here, how bad could this thing have been? I don't think you can play him right now. Not until he actually starts getting over double-digit touches. And until we actually see it, I'm not going to believe it. Whatever the case is, whatever's going on. So Jamal Williams will continue to be a guy that I'm playing primarily as an RB2. On the Chicago side, Justin Fields stayed hot, like we pointed out during the quarterback thumper segment earlier in the show. And Cole Komet stayed hot, as we also pointed out during the thumper part of the show. Darnell Mooney, it was a little disappointing, sure. Maybe you're hoping for more because it was the Detroit Lions, four catches, 57 yards on four targets. But there just wasn't much room for anybody else to, to do anything offensively. Komet gets the scores, but Justin Fields just dominated the yardage game with his legs on 147 yards. They wind up not winning this game, and because it was because of a Justin Fields, you know, turnover, but Hey, this is why he's the cheat code now. This is why he's the top five running back now. Because he's running like this, and he's getting passing touchdowns to boot, just to give it that little boost. Next week, they play the Atlanta Falcons. You better believe Fields will be inside our top five quarterbacks again next week. Let's move on here to our next game. Let's move on to the Broncos and the Tennessee Titans. Denver going on the road to Tennessee. Tennessee pulling out the win late 17 to 10. I talked about this already. Russell Wilson completed 50% of his balls. 
He just doesn't look good. It looks so bad watching him throw a football right now. Jerry Judy picked up what could be a, a really bad injury with his ankle. We're not yet got yet got carted off. It uh, definitely feels like a situation in which he's at least going to miss some time. They, they're saying it's not the Achilles, so I guess that's the good news. But we don't know yet, as of recording this show, what exactly the diagnosis is going to be. So we have to wait for that. I mean, in the meantime, if, if Jerry Judy's out, well, then Cortland Sutton becomes the guy. So we can go back to probably trusting Cortland Sutton as a wide receiver, too, moving forward just due to target consolidation. But this is not an offense that I really want to have too many pieces of. I mean, Greg Dolchich disappointed. We talked about that. I, I'm still okay with him as a top 12 tight end for now because he had been pretty consistent up until this point. Speaking of Sutton, by the way, he had 11 targets in this game. So you're going to be able to trust those guys, I guess. But like the backfield, for instance, just as I thought it was going to be, it's a three-man rotation. Chase Edmonds ran a lot of routes, even though he only had two targets. Melvin Gordon hit the six targets, the four catches, the 46 yards. I guess it's your main solace, but Latavius Murray had nine carries for 24 yards. Gordon had seven carries for 24 yards. Edmonds had two carries for nine yards. This isn't a good enough offense already to actually liken the production coming out of the backfield. Now you're going to have a three-man rotation to, 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 what, fight over scraps? That's what's happening right now. And that's why you, you, you can't play anybody. I'm not at the point yet where I'm ready to drop Bill McGordon because he's still a starting running back in name. But if you have to, I'm okay with it. Because it's not like I'm going to be playing him anytime soon. You'd have to have two guys get injured. Not just one, two. Because if the volume doesn't get consolidated, well, I don't know what kind of production you're going to get because this is not a team moving the ball. Nathaniel Hackett needs to be fired. I don't know what they're waiting for. He's not coming back next season. We already know this. On Tennessee side of things, I will say the Broncos defense did the best job of anybody so far holding Derrick Henry in check. 19 carries and 53 yards. Not really performance you're looking for there. Two, two catches on 14 yards there. Dontrell Hillard actually wound up playing a decent amount of this game because for the majority of it, you know, Tennessee was trying to come back from behind and couldn't get anything going on the game either. And Hillard went back to his third down roll and two-minute drill roll, so he got in on that. The good news for Tennessee, anyway, was that Ryan Tannehill came back, and although while he wasn't very accurate throughout the game, just because he was there and he's such a better quarterback, they actually had a semblance of a passing game available going for 255 yards and two touchdowns. Now, it was Nick Westbrook Ikine who wound up being the big day. You know, five catches, 119 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. But what I find more interesting, actually, than that big production line is Traylon Burks was third on the wide receivers in snaps. His first game back off the IR, it was already third on the team. I think it won't be too long now before Traylon Burks overtakes everybody as far as the wide receivers go. He's the best wide receiver. He's the best playmaker. He's the best athlete. This team is playoff bound because of how bad that division is. I don't think anybody's really going to be challenging for them for that. So I think Burks has a really good chance here to get going and probably somebody who'll be on our waiver wire tomorrow. Make sure you tune in for that show at 10 p.m. Eastern. Let's move into the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, so the Jaguars side of the ball. So Lawrence was what I was hoping he would be, a low-end QB1, high-end QB2. He gets the 250 yards. He gets the two touchdowns. You know, it looked ugly at times, but we knew eventually the volume that Jackson would have to have in the second half. 
it is what we were kind of counting on. And that's why Lawrence got up to 40 pass attempts. And that's kind of what we got. What I wasn't ready for was Travis Etienne to get held in check. 11 carries and 45 yards, three catches and 28 yards. The Chiefs defense just did a really good job saying, hey, you know what? If you're going to beat us, you're going to do it with somebody else besides Travis Etienne. And they were able to do that. But Christian Kirk, nine catches, 105 yards, two touchdowns on 12 targets. We're back on the Christian Kirk train. He's back to what he was early in the week, early in the year, I should say. The volume's there. This team's back to being a terrible team that has to come back from behind a lot. Therefore, there's a lot of volume to be had throughout the game. Yeah, Christian Kirk is back on our high-end wide receiver two and in the right matchup, low-end wide receiver one category. On the Chiefs side of the ball, we talked about Mahomes. He's just he's just magic. He's just awesome. We talked about Juju with the bad concussion already during the bummer segment for the wide receivers. In his placement, though, and there was no Mikael Hartman, by the way, and even Marquez Valdez-Scantling actually got knocked out of this game for like a hot second. Even in that game, we saw Kadarius Toney. He kind of came in already. Four catches, 57 yards. He had a touchdown on five targets. Even picked up a couple carries for 33 yards. It, it, it was Kadarius Toney. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had the most snaps. Justin Watson had the second most snaps. He did he did nothing with his. He's a treadmill guy. I mean, just Justin Watson. He gets out there. He runs all you know. He runs all these patterns. He gets all these snaps. He runs all these routes and, and doesn't have anything to show for it. One catch, twelve yards. Kadarius Tony throw the team got more playing time and actually produced. I already kept saying that I think at some point he was going to overtake Nicole Hardman anyway. That might happen sooner rather than later, depending upon what's going on with his injury. And if anything else, he could maybe step in as the starting guy for Juju if he can't clear concussion protocol by next week. A lot of things up in the air. But what we saw here is that with other guys out of the way, who had to step up in what role as a, as a result? Sky Moore, even in spite of all of that, was still fifth on the team in, in snaps. Well behind Justin Watson, well behind Kadarius Tony. The idea that Sky Moore could ever be anything this year, that ship has certainly sailed before this, but this is kind of like headlined it that he's nowhere near cracking the field, apparently, even when there's multiple injuries to the wide receiving core of the Kansas City Chiefs. And the other interesting note was the backfield. So this had been a three-man committee up until this point over the past few weeks. And I kind of had a feeling that this would be a week where, you know, the Chiefs, they get up against an inferior opponent. It was a good chance we'd see Pacheco have a nice game. And he did. 16 carries, 82 yards, over five yards a carry. He was good. And he also played the most of all the running backs. Jarek McKinnon, who had been banged up coming into this game, was listed as questionable. It was a downgrade on Friday. It was kind of a weird situation. But he had the second most snaps. He ran all the routes. He was the pass-catching back. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had four snaps in this game. Four. They're done with him. That, that's what it felt like, at least anyway, that he's not part of this. This felt like this backfield just became a two-man committee with Pacheco handling the early down work and Jerry McKinnon being the pass-catching back. That's what it felt like. And they had moved on from the idea of Clyde Zolaire. We'll see. Maybe it changes next week. I mean, this is not a big enough sample size knowing how Andy Reid can kind of flip-flop back and forth when it comes to these kinds of things with like the running back rotation. But it makes some sense. This has been trending in the direction last two weeks in a row leading into this game. Clyde Zeller had been third in snaps, but it had been, it had been closer 
to Pacheco and McKinnon. So it wasn't out of the question about him being involved in the committee. After this game, Clarence Lair might not even be involved. So I think you probably drop him if you need to. Not going to quite hit the drop sounder on him yet, but pretty close to doing it. Pretty close to doing it. Let's move on to the Cleveland-Miami game where Miami just completely blew Cleveland out at home in, in, in Miami. Just completely just dismantled them. We'd already talked about Amari Cooper was disappointing in this matchup, but that's also kind of because Donovan Peoples-Jones was really good. He had nine targets, five catches, 99 yards, catching things down the field constantly. It, it was a good game here for Donovan Peoples-Jones. So that's what led the way and kind of took away from Amari Cooper, who was getting shadowed by Xavier Howard. However, Howard's been beaten quite a bit this year. So we kind of thought, you know, it didn't really matter that much. As long as they play man-to-man, Amari Cooper should have a decent chance. And that just, that, that didn't happen. That didn't come to fruition. I will say this, though. With Watson only a few weeks away from getting back and being the starter, Don Peoples-Jones, with the way he's been coming on, the way he's been developing as that second receiver to Amari Cooper... Being that he'll be that Will Fuller guy, we know what Will Fuller was fantasy wise with Deshaun Watson. That's going to be a Donovan Peoples Jones in this game. Could be quite interesting when he actually makes his way back. Nick Chubb didn't have a big game, but hey, you know what? He scored. He scored. So he always finds a way to find the end zone, still put in a decent fantasy day, even when he doesn't have the best of days. And I also want to mention Harrison Bryant. It didn't light it up the way I was hoping he would. Three only three targets. Definitely was hoping for more than that. But he does find the end zone. So if you did stream him, he went that direction. But it should be worth noting that Farrell Brown had more targets. He had five targets in this game. So it seems like Harrison Bryant, no matter what the situation, whether David Njoku plays or not, is getting relegated to that backup tight end role, which I don't get because he's a much better pass catcher, especially compared to Farrell Brown. It's not even close. But that just seems to be what we're dealing with. On the Dolphins' side of the ball, I mentioned Tua was fantastic, but he really spread it out this game. I mean, Tyreek Hill with me getting double-digit targets every single week, only got six. Now he got a touchdown, five catches, 44 yards. Jalen Waddle, five targets, which is totally outside the norm for him, but four catches, 66 yards. Trent Sherfield got a touchdown. He had five targets. Alex Ingold, the fullback, had four targets. Jeff Wilson had five targets. Raheem Moster had four targets. Tua just spread the ball out to everybody this game. Like that's, that's basically what happened. Up until this point, the consolidation had been around Waddle, had been around Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh, all of a sudden now everybody has to have an equal share. That's not really the case. I'm not worried about this moving forward. It just shows you that Tua is just playing on a really good level right now, actually, as an NFL and a fantasy football quarterback. The other interesting note for the Dolphins, though, Jeff Wilson leads the way. 17 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. I already said he had five targets. Compared to Raheem Mostert, who only had eight carries in this game. Now, he still had 65 yards and a touchdown, so the, me ranking him as a flex still winds up working out. Now, I don't know this because the game was well in hand in the second half, and they look at Jeff Wilson as more of the guy to be the ground and pound, to be the closer, because that's what it was. I mean, the first half, it was pretty much a dead even split. I think Jeff Wilson had 19 snaps and Moser had 17. It was, it was going, it was going drive by drive. That's what they were rotating on. In the second half, Jeff Wilson just completely took over and dominated. So something of note there, I think if it's a, a neutral ish game script or is in striking distance, 
this thing will continue to be a two-man rotation based on drive by drive by drive with Jeff Wilson being the technical starter. But if it's a blow them out situation where it's time to close out the game, I think that's where we might just see Jeff Wilson a lot more. So also a potential thing there too. kind of keep your eyes on. Let's move into our next matchup. We got the Houston Texans and the New York Giants. So with Houston, I mean, there's only there's really only one guy to talk about. It's Damian Pierce. Didn't have a great game, but he didn't score. We still had 94 yards. And he still had 17 carries. And he still had 28 yards of the year on two receptions. So he still gets you over 100 yards from scrimmage. That's a pretty good floor for a guy who just didn't go off in a game. That's a pretty good floor out of Damian Pierce. So you just you play him no matter what because he just finds a way to produce. He has a very high floor to ceiling ratio. As far as the wide receivers go, because a lot of people are trying to figure this out with Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins being back and thought, you know, Brandon Cooks is a squeaky wheel, get the grease since they kept him. Eh, he was second on the, he was second on the team in targets, but that, that's about it. He had seven, four catches, 37 yards. Nico Collins is the one who winds up with the touchdown. At the end of the day, I think there's just not a wide receiver on Houston to really care about because Davis Mills is not a good quarterback uh, on the Giants side of the ball. I want to speak of not good quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, only 17 pass attempts in this game. Yeah, I know Slayton made a great play. That was mostly on Slayton. That, it was, a, it was a 10 yard pass and he just turned the corner, made a couple guys miss, went down the field 54 yards and scored the touchdown. He had four targets to make three catches and 95 yards and a touch. You can't trust Slayton. Wandale Robinson's not getting targeted a bunch. Cause well, if the Giants can help it, Daniel Jones is not throwing the ball a bunch because they're trying to hide him. Saquon Barkley, however, 35 attempts, 35 rushing attempts for Saquon Barkley. 152 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He actually had one catch for eight yards. They, they weren't throwing the ball. They weren't throwing the ball. Saquon Barkley, Houston Texans are terrible against the run, but Barkley is just, Man, he's just he's just he's just on another level. He's just flat out on another level. What about the Saints and the Pittsburgh Steelers? So I got one note here for the Saints, and that is it's time to switch to Winston. Andy Dalton is throwing just as many interceptions as Winston would in a starting position. And what does Dalton not give you? He doesn't give you the big play upside to get the offense moving. The offense looked like it never had a chance in this game to actually be a threat to the Steelers. The score was close, sure, 20-10 to 10 in favor of the Steelers, but it didn't feel like a close game. It felt like Pittsburgh dominated this game. Or better yet, it felt like the Saints were never good enough to be in the game. They have to make the switch to Jameis Winston, plain and simple, because it's no longer like, oh, we like Andy Dalton more for Alvin Kamara. Do we? Four targets. Four. That's it. In a game in which they're trailing, he gets four targets. Eight carries. This offense being inept is killing everybody. Chris Olave, five targets, three catches, 40 yards. You can't keep living this way. Saints, you have to go back to Jameis Winston. I don't care what you think about any Dalton. Your offense is putrid. You go to the Steelers' side, Kenny Pickett wasn't very good either, and he got actually a little bit banged up in this game himself. The Saints, who don't get much pressure, Got six sacks in this game. It just shows you how bad that offensive line is. But he only threw the ball 30 times. It wasn't nearly as much volume as we're used to seeing. And 
before you go like, okay, well, maybe that's just an aberration to get back to the 40 times, 50 times, you know, the high volume numbers they had to do because their defense is giving up points left and right. And they usually have to come back from behind. Well, TJ Watt played. We know that when TJ Watt plays, the Steelers defense is completely different. Now, Mika wasn't out there and probably isn't going to be out there for a few weeks. But when TJ Watt plays, the Steelers defense is a whole different story. So the Steelers might find themselves in more situations like this kind of game. And what do we see? A lot more of an emphasis on the run. Najee Harris, by the way, had his most efficient and best game, frankly, of the year. 20 carries, 99 yards. And we get less volume. As a result, you know, the highest targeted guy on the team was Pat Freermuth with seven targets. Somebody's always been getting double-digit targets with this team. George Pickens, I guarantee a touchdown for him heading into this week. And it didn't happen the way I was anticipating it. It happened on a run. But he did get it, nonetheless. And we did what we wanted him to do, which was play the second most snaps to Deontay Johnson and just be that number two receiver in two receiver sets and be out there a lot. So they do go back to having games where they're trailing and Kenny Pickett has to throw 40, 50 times. I relate George Pickens' value. And he's got more touchdown upside than Deontay Johnson, who still does not have a score yet this year. And he had four catches and 63 yards himself. So better days are ahead. I believe uh, George Pickens is somebody who's going to continue to be a a, bu- a boomer bust play in my flex. Pat Freermuth continues to be like the favorite target of Kenny Pickett. So he has a nice safe floor, top 10 tight end. The Najee Harris thing, that was great to see him finally have a decent game. But we know how bad that offensive line is. There's no way of really feeling any confidence that could be the thing moving forward. Let's move to our next matchup. The Colts against the Raiders. Jeff Saturday, all the hoopla about the Jeff Saturday hiring, and it worked. 25-20. The Indianapolis Colts win this game 25-20 in Las Vegas. Because the Raiders just hired Josh McDaniels, I don't think he's going to get fired. I do think it should be on the table. (laughs) <laughs> because he's got to get held accountable. You can't be this bad. He was not. This was not a rebuild project when he got brought in here. This is a team that was already at the postseason last year. McDaniel's supposed to be the guy to take the next step for them, and they brought in Devontae Adams. This is not a rebuild situation, and yet they're looking like the Raiders of old when they're always in rebuild mode. Derek Carr, he had two touchdowns. He was okay from a statistical standpoint, but never really looked that great. Devontae Adams was good. And Josh Jacobs is really good. They got their volume. They got their fantasy points. And that's about all you can hope for right now is that Jacobs and Adams continue to get their volume and are terrific fantasy-wise as a result because nobody else is getting any touches. Nobody else is churning out any offense. You can't trust Foss Moreau, even though he got the touchdown today because he only had four targets. And we've already seen the past few weeks, if he doesn't score, he doesn't really give you much. Mac Collins, we know he's boomer or bust, depending upon the matchup. That's it. You're playing Devontae Adams, playing Josh Jacobs. This team's not good. And this team not being good, by the way, especially on defense, is why Jonathan Taylor got back on track. I think it had more to do with that than all of a sudden the Colts have just turned this identity corner with Jeff Saturday as the head coach. And one week, all of a sudden, he fixed all the Colts' problems where Jonathan Taylor could get going, the passing game could be competent. And, you know, all, all, all of a sudden the Colts are heading in the right direction because they hired Jeff Saturday. I don't think Frank Reich's a bad head coach. I don't. 
I think this had more to do with the Raiders. Now, you this tag can definitely give you some hope. It can it definitely looked like the things were more simple for the Colts. They got back to the basics for sure. But it doesn't always usually look as good when you play somebody else besides the Raiders, too. And they get a tough matchup next week against the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll really get to see what the Jeff Saturday hiring is worth in that matchup. The one thing I was really pissed off at Saturday for was lying earlier in the week about who the starting quarterback was going to be. Now, maybe he didn't think Matt Ryan was going to be healthy enough to go. That that could be the case. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt from that standpoint. But when he announced that Sam Ellinger earlier in the week is going to be the starting quarterback, well, then I don't want to play guys like Michael Pittman. I don't want to play guys like Paris Campbell. I don't know how much faith I have in a Jonathan Taylor. But all of a sudden, Matt Ryan winds up being the starter. And like, okay, Matt Ryan's not great, but at least he's competent. And I expect competent production against a bad defense as a result to that. So, I mean, everything looks up. Paris Campbell is going to be back on the radar. He had nine targets in this game, seven catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Michael Pittman had nine targets in this game, seven catches, 53 yards. At least the volume is finally going to be there. I don't know how much I love this for, for Alec Pierce, especially with Paris Campbell now emerging, but at least the volume is going to be there. If Matt Ryan's going to be the starting quarterback moving forward, you're getting competent quarterback play, something you weren't getting out of Sam Ellinger. So I'm glad they were able to go back to that move, at least, because at least for those guys, things can look up moving forward. Let's get to our last game for the Sunday Funday recap, and that was the Dallas Cowboys against the Green Bay Packers. We already talked about CeeDee Lamb and him going off. Dak Prescott, 46 pass attempts in this game. That's a lot more than I think Dallas typically wants to do. 265 yards, though, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And they did what I asked my my co-host Daniel Dubois a couple Wednesdays ago. And I was like, do you think, you know, Dallas tries to open things up offensively a little bit more? And I mean, I don't think 46 times what they had in mind for Dak Prescott, but they definitely came out the game throwing. Now, I don't know if that had to do with Ezekiel Elliott being out and they didn't want, they don't, it's clear they don't want to run Tony Pollard too much. But I don't think 46 times is what they have in mind. Tony Pollard, by the way, 22 carries, 115 yards and a touchdown. Tony Pollard's an RB1 as long as Zeke Elliott's not playing. Now, I think Zeke's going to be back next week because he was pretty close to probably playing today. So I think he'll be back next week, which, again, will go back to limiting the upside of a Tony Pollard to the point where he probably needs a big play to actually be, you know, good fantasy-wise, like like he had been up until this point. A guy we have in the flex, we're like, okay, because the possibility, the upside's there, but he also has a floor of, a you know, an RB50. <laughs> this, is, this is the nature of the beast because they just refuse to quit Ezekiel Elliott. It's not going to happen. We talked about Dalton Schultz and what he was able to do, and this offense just consolidated. It's the backfield. It's CeeDee Lamb and it's Dalton Schultz. Now that Dak Prescott's back, these are the guys we're playing fantasy-wise, and that's that. On the Green Bay side, Green Bay wins this freaking game. I mean, I swear every time on the Friday show, if I if I pick for Green Bay, they're going to lose to a team they should have no business losing to, like Detroit Lions. I lock in Dallas this week because Green Bay has looked so bad and Dallas coming off a bye with a really good defense. And the Packers somehow find a way to win. I shouldn't even say, say somehow. They did what they're supposed to do. Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 20 times. 224 yards and three touchdowns. On 20 times, Aaron Rodgers was actually good fantasy-wise. But why did he only throw the ball 20 times in a game that was 31-28? That was a, you know, a shootout game. Because they ran the ball. 
They stuck to what needs to be their identity moving forward. I'm so tired of talking about this fact when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. 24 pass, uh, 24 carries, excuse me, for Aaron Jones, 138 yards on the ground, a touchdown, 5.8 yards a carry because they showed no fear and ran it down the Dallas Cowboys throat because that's what they're good at. That's what they're built to do this year. Even AJ Dillon had his most efficient game of the year. 13 carries, 65 yards, five yards a carry. He's been getting like under three most weeks. And what did it do? It opened up play action. Christian Watson, why do you think he has such a big game? Off of bombs, off of play action. And he'll be a hot commodity we're talking about in the waiver wire probably tomorrow. This is what the Packers have to be moving forward. Maybe not they're four and six, and they beat a really good team like Dallas. Maybe this is what will trigger Matt LaFleur and be like, okay, this is what has to be our formula for winning moving forward. But every time it is looked that way, and they played, they always play really well as a team when Aaron Jones gets plus 20 carries. But then they don't stick with that. And they go back to just not using him and trying to have Aaron Rodgers be the guy. And every time Aaron Rodgers this year with no weapons has been the guy has been dreadful. The only disappointment here, Alan Lazar, three catches, 45 yards, I thought he's going to have a big week. I had him ranked the high-end wide receiver, too. And that was, you know, I wasn't ready for Christian Watson to, to, you know, to take over, <laughs> to have all the production. That, that's basically what happened there. I don't know. They, I don't know. They stick with this. I don't, I don't know. If they stick with the run. They need to, but we don't know if that actually winds up happening. All right. Let's actually, that, that's not our last game. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry for that. We got the Cardinals and the Rams. We have to talk about too. So, uh, with the Cardinals and the Rams, we just, they went to the game with injuries being the the narrative. You know, Stafford, Murray can't play, and then injuries wound up being the narrative of the game too. On top of it, Zach Ertz goes down with a really bad injury. Sounds like it could be an ankle. Sounds like it could be multiple weeks. We still don't have all the details on that. And the Cooper Cup, same thing. Now, the early reports we have is that Cooper Cup may have avoided the worst case scenario, which. From what they were looking at, being a, it sounded like it's his ankle. He avoided an Achilles injury. At least that's what they were saying. So let's go under more testing, but that's the good news I can offer for now. I think I think best case scenario, this is a high ankle sprain, which means four to six week window. And that's rough. That's rough for Cooper Cup. That's rough for the Rams. Who takes over then? Allen Robinson, maybe they try to feature Allen Robinson more. I think that's possible. But he has his role. He's going to be the outside perimeter receiver. I don't see his role within the offense changing. Ben Skoronek, he has his role. He's a blocking receiver outside, kind of help, tries to help him out with that on the on the perimeter. The guy, I think, who actually replaces Cooper Cup, and obviously won't do it nearly as well, but will will have that role within the offense is Van Jefferson. Somebody else will bring up during the primetime recap and waiver saviors in tomorrow night's show. He's the guy that I think is going to go into that role. He's the one who has the best skill set for that role. He scored a touchdown today, too, by the way. So that is something we're going to have to look out for. As far as the the backfield, yeah, Darrell Henderson, he, he scored, but him and Akers, both six carries apiece. Kyron Williams only had one carry. So I guess the good news is this didn't turn into a three-man committee. I, If Cooper Cup's going to be out, I am... I am curious about Van Jefferson and what I think his role could be. Tyler Higby got back on track here. Eight targets, eight catches, 73 yards. 
Now, I don't know if that's just, you know, because they were just like, look, Cooper Cup's out. We got to get somebody in the middle. And Arizona's completely terrible against the tight end. So how much did that go into it? He was somebody I did not have confidence coming in because he was blocking more. But maybe the Cooper Cup out, he's going to have to go back to catching in the ball more. And that's going to be the case. Well, Tyler Higby will be back in the top 12 conversation moving forward. And I, I think there's a good shot that winds up happening. So Higby... And maybe, depending upon what we see, Van Jefferson, outside of that, the Rams just don't have any fancy value. They really don't. On the Arizona side of the ball, well, I think what you would expect to have happen without Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy back there is, is what happened. James Conner had 21 carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns. You know, Colt McCoy locked on to DeAndre Hopkins. He also locked on to Rondale Moore. Both got going, especially when Zach Ertz went down. I think that really opened up the middle of the field for Rondale Moore, who got 13 targets in this game. And DeAndre Hopkins got 14 targets himself, 10 catches, 98 yards. Rondale Moore turned his in nine catches for 94. I think you're playing Rondale Moore every week. He's been a wide receiver three for me, but if Zach Ertz is going to be out and he's going to have to dominate the middle of that field now, He's he's the check down guy. He's the go-to guy over the middle of the field. He's the safety blanket. So Rondell Moore, whether it's Kyle Murray, Colt McCoy, I don't care. He's going to have to be probably inside my top 24 as long as Zach Ertz is out and Marquise Brown's out. Let's preface that too. Robbie Anderson, again, he's just you know out there in name and nothing else. Trey McBride did come in to, to take over the tight end position when Zach Ertz was out. But we're going to have to see Trey McBride kind of do something first before we start talking about him as an actual fantasy asset. Obviously, we'll have Brian Scott on during the week to let us know, okay, who's got, you know, what do we think about Kyler Murray and his injury? What what can we expect there? It sounded like he was pretty close to playing this week, so I would suspect he has a decent shot next week, but we know with hamstring injuries, you can always re-injure them. Okay, that does it for the show. That was the last game. Make sure you guys tune back in tomorrow. We got the primetime recap. We got the heroes and zeros, my right and run calls. And we have the waiver saviors heading into week 11, getting down to the nitty gritty, getting down to the stretch. Everybody, stay tuned for that. Make sure you're downloading us on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. It really help us out. Make sure you're following us on social media at Belly Up MDFF Show. And we will see you guys tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 